Crest in the Afternoon is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Broadcasting from the studios of Ave Maria Radio in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Al Cresta is ready for conversations of consequence. This is Cresta in the Afternoon. And good afternoon to you. We've got Father Mitch Pockwood joining us in this hour. Our topic, Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah is the... The scroll of Isaiah is the longest of all the prophets' works. It's the second longest book of the Bible. Psalms is more than twice its size. But its importance for uh, believing communities was recognized very early. If you take a look at the Dead Sea Scrolls, for instance, uh, there are more copies of the Isaiah scroll there than any other book. It's the second most cited Old Testament book in the New Testament, 63 times. Psalms has 67, so you can see it's right up there. And when St. Jerome wrote his famous line, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ, he wrote it in his introduction to Isaiah, which he saw as the gospel in Old Testament form. We're going to take time with Father Mitch Pockwood to go over this um, remarkable book and his this is a new commentary published by tan it's an in-depth look at the gospel of the old testament isaiah and it's actually the book itself is arranged in uh, 26 lessons so it's it's uh it's structured for for your study and we'll be going of course it'll be available in the online bookstore but before we get uh to isaiah Let's get to today's headlines with Steve Clark. Thanks, Al. Good afternoon, everyone. This is your Ave Maria Radio News for Monday, February 26th. It's the Feast of St. Paula of St. Joseph of Calisant. Today's news brought to you by Visiting Angels, providing love and care and assistance for seniors in need at visitingangels.com. At least 15 Catholics were killed in an attack during Mass yesterday in Burkina Faso. There are reports that 12 people were killed on the scene, while three others later died from their injuries. The attack is the latest in a series of atrocities blamed on groups linked to al-Qaeda and the Islamic State. Pope Francis canceled his appointments today as he battled a mild flu, but appeared to be in good form during yesterday's Angelus. An announcement from the Vatican press office says he doesn't have a fever, but did not hint further at his condition. Sweden has cleared the final hurdle to join NATO, Hungary's parliament voting today to ratify the Nordic country's bid after two years of negotiations. Hungary objected to Sweden joining NATO, but dropped their objections last year. The historically neutral country will be the 32nd member of NATO, with Finland also working on a bid to join the alliance. The U.S. Supreme Court is deciding the legality of a Texas law that bans social media companies from blocking users based on viewpoint. Aaron Nielsen is the state's solicitor general. If these algorithms are constitutionally protected, platforms may be able to continue selling advertisers the ability to discriminate based on race. The Texas law passed back in 2021 after social media companies banned former President Trump. The companies today argue that laws limiting how they operate violate their First Amendment rights to free speech. They compare themselves to newspapers and argue they should have the right to make editorial decisions. 
And both President Biden and Donald Trump will visit the U.S.-Mexico border in Texas this week. Biden will travel to Brownsville Thursday to meet with Border Patrol agents, while Trump will reportedly visit Eagle Pass. From your AveMariaRadio.net news desk, I'm Steve Clark. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Joining me right now is Father Mitch Pacwa, S.J. Father Mitch is the author, most recently, of Commentary on the Book of Isaiah, an in-depth look at the Gospel of the Old Testament. He's founder and president of Ignatius Productions. He's a host on EWTN Television Radio, which, of course, many of us know him from his many uh, appearances and his ongoing program. He's the author of more than 20 other books. Uh, he received his doctorate uh, in Old Testament at Vanderbilt University, and uh, he was ordained a Jesuit Catholic priest in 1976. Father Mitch, good to have you here. Well, it's always good to be with you. This, um, this project on Isaiah, um, when did you decide you were going to devote so much time to this book? Um, a few years ago, I, you know, it was a request from the Catholic Bible uh, Scripture Study. There's an organization called Catholic Scripture Study, yeah, and they do a fine job of getting a number of folks to uh, do this kind of uh, Scripture work on a wide variety of books, and I had done... Uh, they, they do something interesting where they will have one person write a book and another person present the classes on it. And so I was uh, asked to write this book. I'd actually done presentations on some of the other books like uh, Joshua and Judges and uh, one on the angels and one on Hebrews. So, the, you know, I, I really have... Uh, a lot of admiration for them. It, it, what they're doing is truly tremendous work. Um, and, you know, I was glad to do it. Very good. I'll, I'll ask the most basic question, and that will get us into all questions about sure. dating and introduction and all this business. Yeah. Who was Isaiah? All right. Isaiah was uh, a layman living in Jerusalem. Um, he was a, an interesting character because he had fairly easy as, access to a number of kings so that he would be, uh, uh, it, it was easy to get hold of him uh, you know, and also for him to go and speak to the kings of Judea, and uh, even if that was a critical speech, uh, he was able to do that. Um, this is uh, itself, you know, a significant thing. He's yeah. one of the uh, really good writers in the Old Testament. He has a tremendous style, and, you know, it's one of those things where uh, you know, a lot of times people uh, don't notice that and because, you know, they don't 
always read the uh, ancient text. Right, uh, right. But that's, that's something that is useful to know. And in the case of Isaiah, you, you can contrast him with Micah. Micah lived at the same time, but Micah really was a country boy. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have much use for the city. Yeah, he did not like the city slickers of Jerusalem. He was fairly critical, you know. Uh, the sin of Israel is Samaria, their capital city, and the sin of Judah is Jerusalem. <laughs> I mean, he was not pro-city slicker, whereas Isaiah knew very well what was going on in the city, and he very much um, uh, was able to address the situations in uh, Jerusalem, not only with the king, uh, because we see him go right up to King Hezekiah, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, at a time of great crisis, and say, "Ask a sign from the Lord." Uh, and excuse me, not uh, Hezekiah, Hezekiah's father, uh, Ahab, uh, Ahab. And but later on, he also was able to talk to Hezekiah. Uh, apparently had some access to King Uzziah. Um, you know, so he had this kind of royal access and was critical. It's not that he, uh, you know, schmoozed these folks. He was very critical of the, the he called, in fact, you, you see early in the book that he calls them, uh, chapter one, uh, princes of Sodom. And leaders of Gomorrah. I mean, wow. he, he just did not have uh, a lot of respect. But it wasn't because they lived in the city the way you sometimes get a sense of Micah's thinking, mm-hmm. um, but rather because he, he knew the sins they were doing. So that's that's uh, the, the Isaiah, and he lived. Uh, well, at least he is prophesying from somewhere around. 750. And just to get perspective, that's just a couple of years after the founding of the city of Rome by Romulus and Remus. And then he prophesies all the way until at least 701. So it's uh, it's just about 50 years or so uh, of prophesying. He maybe even continued a little bit into the 690s. Uh, So he's He's a prophet for about 50 years um, and is obviously a very significant person. Now, you do something in this commentary that um, many conservative scholars don't do, and that is you actually pay attention to the differences of style, vocabulary, Mm -hmm. historical references Mm-hmm. that uh, show that there, there were uh, other hands uh, working to form this r- remarkable document. Yes. Where are these part of, did Isaiah have like a school of prophets or these? That, well, we see that in Isaiah chapter 8, where he's addressing his disciples. Hmm. So, you know, Having disciples is, uh, is something that is found in the book of Isaiah. And we see, for instance, uh, some parts 
of Isaiah um, will uh, ad- address very different historical situations than Isaiah himself knew. Uh, for instance, uh, in Isaiah 40 to 55, uh, you see Cyrus the Great, the king of the Persians, mm. is addressed. Yeah. And not as someone who will come in the future, but as a present force. Yeah. Now, this places uh, that and uh, a few other things I can mention uh, is addressing a situation of the Jewish people in exile in Babylon. And he's addressing the circumstances of being in Babylon mm-hmm. in a way that uh, first Isaiah mentions Babylon because, in fact, um, Babylon was rebelling against the Assyrian king uh, during the lifetime of Isaiah. But uh, and he's got those details correct. That's one of the things I tried to show. Uh, in sections of the, the original person Isaiah, he gives a number of prophecies critical of the foreigners, not only Israel, his primary concern is Israel, but he criticizes the other countries too. And, you know, one of the things I try to show is that those criticisms fit events of the time of Isaiah, the first Isaiah. Yes. But when you get from 40 to 55, you have this very different situation. And, uh, uh, and again, not as a prophecy that will happen off in the future, but as something going on in the yeah. present. Yeah. You also see that the forms of speech, see, it's one of the things that's very useful to uh, pay attention to. Different uh, forms of speech are used in Isaiah 40 to 55 than in the the first Isaiah. Especially you see these oracles of salvation. Uh, And these are a type of speech that was used by the priests when they would uh, hear, they would accept a sacrifice from a person and they would um, you know, for say a sin offering or a guilt offering, and they would give a statement of the forgiveness and the reconciliation, and that that was called an oracle of salvation. And frequently, the priests and Levites would act as prophets in the temple, uh, especially if you look at Chronicles. Uh, you see very clearly how the priests and Levites acted as uh, in a prophetic way. But not prophetic as prophesying the future, but as addressing the people now, the Lord has accepted your sacrifice. In the case of Isaiah 40 to 55, they are not near the temple. They're in Babylon. Mm. And yet he uses these 
this form of proclaiming salvation. He also presents uh, criticism. There's a, a form of speech very common in that same section of 40 to 55 called, the uh, in Hebrew, Reeve. Uh, this is a lawsuit. And you see the Lord God suing the people of Israel for having broken the covenant. Yes. And he does that in order to say, I was the one that told you you would be brought into exile. You didn't listen to me. I warned you. And this is the punishment I decreed. But now I am proclaiming your salvation and that you're going to let go. And my chosen servant is Cyrus. Hmm. I take him by the hand, and I'm going to let him lead you out of Babylon. And that is the prediction that Cyrus of Persia will um, lead the people of Israel out. And in fact, that's exactly what happened. So we usually date Isaiah 40 to 55 to be right around 540. It could be 541 or so. Um, But Cyrus was coming towards uh, Babylon, and in 538, he conquered it. Father, hold it there. We've got to take a break. The music's coming up under us, and we're going to come back and continue uh, looking at the book of Isaiah. Uh, This is commentary that Father Mitch has uh, contributed, published by TAN. It's an in-depth look at the Gospel of the Old Testament. Today's programming on 990 WGEO is brought to you in part by Gift from Our Day Sponsor. The annual Rose Mass for Catholic Healthcare Workers, celebrated by Bishop Boyer, will be at 4.30 p.m. Saturday, March 9th at St. Thomas in Ann Arbor, followed by a reception in the Parish Hall. Karen Bussey, director of the Mother Teresa House, will speak on redemptive suffering. Suggested free will donation is $20. RSVP at cmalansing at gmail.com. That's cmalansing at gmail.com. Greetings, brothers in Christ. I'm Bishop Earl Boyer, inviting you to the Accept the Challenge Catholic Men's Conference on March 16th at the Gervin Game Above Center in Ypsilanti. We've lined up incredible nationally renowned speakers, Justin Fatika, Doug Berry, and our very own Father Joe Krupp. There will also be Mass, confessions, and a wide variety of Catholic ministries to help you grow as a man of God. Visit acceptthechallenge.org to register today. This week on Christ is the Answer, it's the season of Lent, and Father John wants to help us prepare for Easter. Let's start out with a question. What are you doing to prepare for Lent? The Church has so many faithful ways for us to traverse this season of fasting so that we can get the most out of prayer and penance. Join us this week as Father John wants to help us get the most out of Lent, as well as how Jesus wants us to pray. Tune in for Christ is the Answer, Monday through Fridays at 11 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. 
You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. Fire on the Earth's Peter Herbeck. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. And one of the things that he meant by that was the Christian people understand the larger story that's unfolding in history. So as St. Paul said, as the saints echoed very clearly, we're now living through just a, a short moment, a slight momentary affliction, he calls it, in this life, which is going to make way and lead us to an eternal glory beyond all compare. The secret to the fruitfulness and the strength of the apostles was that they lived with a clear vision of the future, an eternal perspective, fixed on the destiny of where their life was headed, and they lived with the realization that, wow, yeah, life is very short here. Everything is temporary. Nothing here in this world is ultimately going to last except the ultimate destinies, the eternal destinies of every human being that exists on the earth. And they knew that whether good things were coming their way or bad things from the world's perspective were coming away, nothing could steal from them, nothing could take away the gold that was in their heart, the treasure that they bore. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Peter Herbeck spreads fire on the earth weekday mornings at 6.30 and again at 11.45 on 990 Ave Maria Radio. Cresta in the Afternoon is underwritten by the following nonprofit organization. Real Estate for Life. Buying or selling your home or business property? Real Estate for Life can connect you with one of 1,400 pro-life real estate agents around the world. When Real Estate for Life receives a referral fee, they donate 70% to Ave Maria Radio and Human Life International. More information at realestateforlife.org or 877-LIFE-US1. That's realestateforlife.org. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me is Father Mitch Pacwa, S.J. He has uh, given us a commentary on the book of Isaiah. It's an in-depth look at the gospel of the Old Testament. We're discussing um, Isaiah, the historical person from the 8th century B.C. And um, the book, Isaiah, also contains material from the 6th century uh, B.C. And so the the questions people have is, what's the relationship between these different, um, quote, Isaiahs, which are differentiated by vocabulary, by style, by historical references? How many many, uh, contributors would you say uh, we have to Isaiah? I try to, I, I do identify uh, a number. Um, uh, for instance, um, I identify as contributors um, I, Proto-Isaiah from the 8th century B.C., mm-hmm. 750 to about 700. Secondly, Deutero-Isaiah, uh, and he is writing in the five about 540 or so. Uh, you also have uh, a section, uh, a history section, about, it tells stories about Isaiah, uh, the, the historical one. 
And um, that is from the Book of Kings. Hmm. And so that's a distinct uh, person. And then um, you also have, um, uh, in addition to uh, that historical source, you've got material from um, uh, in 35 and 36 that comes right before that. That is uh, a distinct author. Then 24 to 27. This uh, I date, uh, I think, fairly, uh, you know, uh, solid reasoning, uh, to sometime at between 2nd Isaiah, or Deutero-Isaiah in the 540s, to uh, about 500. So somewhere in that period after they return to the land. And then there is Trito-Isaiah. Trito-Isaiah is writing around 473. The reason I date that fairly specifically is it makes reference to the Jubilee year. Remember our Lord cited uh, Isaiah 60, yeah. the Spirit of the Lord is upon in, me. In Luke chapter 4. anointed me. Right. His yeah. sermon, his first sermon in Nazareth, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is, uh, is upon me. He has anointed me to uh, bring good news to the poor and release to prisoners and a year of favor. That year of favor is a reference to the Jubilee. And the uh, but in that section you also see, um, in for instance in Isaiah fifty six, that it mentions those who are allowed to come to the temple, including foreigners and eunuchs. Normally, men who had been castrated were not allowed to worship. Mm. Um, you know, that was something forbidden, and they're allowed if they keep the Sabbath. Mm. So, uh, the, but what that means is the temple has been rebuilt. It was rebuilt between 520 and 515 yeah. B.C. Yeah. So, if that's the case, and that this is a jubilee, the first jubilee after the rebuilding of the temple is the year 473. Gotcha. The jubilees were held every 73rd and 23rd year of a century. And so that's why I dated that specifically. And you see criticisms of the way people are worshiping. This is not about coming back to Jerusalem. It's not first Isaiah's strong criticism of the immorality of the people uh, and the political corruption and the, the wealth. It's much more a criticism of improper worship. People are ignoring 
their neighbors who are in need and they're thinking that God is satisfied with their fasting when they're mean and and harsh and uh, are not uh, in the spirit of the Jubilee. And that fits that, that period because it's right after that Jubilee, maybe within a few years, the prophet Malachi is making similar criticisms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then a short generation later, the um, priest Ezra and the layman Nehemiah bring about a re- the reform that try to Isaiah and Malachi wanted. Yeah, so that you, know, you can see the kind of criticisms made in those prophets is finally corrected sometime after 450. But you know the the prophets felt the urgency in uh, you know before the coming of Ezra and Nehemiah to bring about reform and their cry for reform helped to bring it about. So that's why I dated them. Now, so why are they brought together into the yeah, canonical text that we have? Right. Here's uh, it's <coughs> the process is not laid out. It's not defined uh, very clearly inside the book. They don't say why they did it this right, way. Right. We have to reconstruct a little bit. Um, but he would be the the way that I would put it. This is a kind of a Catholic perspective. But to see first Isaiah is such a strong figure that he gathers disciples, as we see again in Isaiah eight. It mentions that he has disciples, and those disciples form something of a school, perhaps parallel to the role of St. Benedict and the Benedictines. Mm -hmm. St. Francis and St. Dominic and St. Ignatius Loyola and their respective orders, the Franciscans, Dominicans, and Jesuits. And that, you know, for centuries after the founder the members of that community keep on adapting the rule of their order Mm -hmm. to new circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And this would be, I think, the model for Isaiah and his school, that as uh, a new circumstance such as the uh, exile in uh, Babylon where I, I assume that members of his school were in or among the, the first exiles. And they reflected on this, and they, uh, they were inspired. I think it was Deuteronomy is one prophet, that one member of the community felt the uh, prophetic anointing. And uh, notice, if you look... At any of those sections from chapter 40 through 66, they never say they're written by Isaiah. Right. They never claim to be written by Isaiah. Yeah. They are, uh, you know, composed by, you know, we don't know who. And that is one of the things going on there. Yeah. 
So that they, that's, they continued the school and the, the study. Yes, that, that makes makes uh, perfect sense to me. Um, if I can just take a quick look, somebody's at my door. Yeah, well, you do that, and uh, I hope it's all right. <laughs> Talking to Father Mitch Pacwa. Uh, his commentary in the book of Isaiah has just been published, and uh, we're enjoying talking over the various segments, um, portions uh, of Isaiah. Uh, right, right. Sorry, just took a quick second. Good. I'm glad. I'll, I'm glad uh, there wasn't any violence at the door. So it's <laughs> no. I was good this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, let me let me mention one thing. If I were writing Isaiah. I would have started with chapter six. <laughs> right, right. I would have started with that. And why would you have started with chapter six, my good man? I would have started because there you see the grand vision of the high and holy one who inhabits eternity. Isaiah is unraveled in his presence, and then he's commissioned. To go forward, right. so that's I would say that's the place to begin the book with the commissioning. But of course, and a I, no, <laughs> number of people agree with you, and they they oftentimes will try to uh, have the beginning of the book there. Uh, they, they'll sometimes start it there. I don't think so. <laughs> this is a new situation. Uh, the king was sick. And he is, um, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, the, uh, as a matter of fact, the, it's the year King Uzziah died. And uh, so there's a new king and a new circumstance. And one element of that circumstance is that when Uzziah died, a, um, uh, a period of history came to an end, mm-hmm. that very same year, uh, which was 745 A.D., uh, or B.C., sorry, 745 B.C., uh, the year that King Uzziah died, the, uh, Bav- the Assyrian Empire began a new period of tremendous violence. Uh, the new king was Tiglath-Pileser III, and he began conquering all over the west of his, uh, creating a new empire. And that was uh, the new situation that, in which the Lord appeared to him. So Isaiah 6, then, would be a recommissioning. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Father, hold it there. Right. Take another break, and we'll continue looking at the book of Isaiah with Father Mitch Pacwa, S.J. Ave Maria School of Law is the Roman Catholic law school in the United States. Consistently ranked in the Princeton Review as one of the best and most conservative law schools, as well as pre-law's most devout law school. Ave Maria School of Law provides a traditional legal education while emphasizing how the law intersects with the Catholic intellectual tradition and natural law philosophy. Ave Maria School of Law, unabashedly Catholic, consistently excellent. For more information, visit AveMariaLaw.edu. Teaching your kids to swim has never been easier, thanks to Big Blue Swim School in Ann Arbor. In their mobile app, you can schedule a weekly 30-minute lesson for each of your children all at the same time. 
You can also cancel and reschedule a lesson with the most flexible makeup class policy of any local swim school, including 15 free makeup lessons. Learn more at BigBlueSwimSchool.com. Register by March 17th to get 60% off your first four lessons when you mention Ave Maria Radio. Modern philosophers Kierkegaard, Shelley, Sartre proposed the idea that existence precedes essence, by which they meant in simpler terms that in the process of time we make or create who and what we are. We understand, of course, that there are those who believe that their doing has been more successful than that of others, and have consequently argued that their being is on a higher state than that of others. This is the kind of thinking that leads to genocide, gas chambers, and abortion clinics. However, folks like Barb and Patrick and Paul and Alicia believe that from the beginning human essence is divinely ordered and infinitely valuable. And where else can we state this more clearly than our defense of preborn children who cannot prove themselves or justify themselves? They can only be, which is why they are so precious to one named I Am. Go to GuadalupeWorkers.org Who may receive the Sacrament of Holy Orders? Except for deacons, the norm for receiving the sacrament, according to the Catholic Catechism, is a man of faith living a celibate life. Why celibacy? So that priests can serve Christ and His Church with an undivided heart. The Catechism assures us that celibacy, accepted with a joyous heart, radiantly proclaims the reign of God. In the Eastern Church, married men may be ordained as priests, but not as bishops. Celibacy, however, is held in great honor in the Eastern Church, and many priests freely choose it. Both the East and the West, however, hold that a man who has already received holy orders can no longer marry. The ordained priest is of Christ carrying an indelible, permanent spiritual character which cannot be repeated nor conferred temporarily. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. My dad, sharp as a tack, but getting him out for a dentist trip got harder every year. When he moved to the senior residence where he lives now, Dr. Mansour's portable dental service was a godsend. Dr. Mansour comes to wherever the homebound patient may be, whether in a nursing facility or the comfort of home. All the services you'd expect in a dentist office brought straight to the patient's door. Call 586-873-5567. That's 586-873-5567 or portabledentalservices.com. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria Mutual Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. And good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Let me mention that for more than 40 years, EW10 has been praying with and for people around the world. And we want to pray with you. Uh, If there's something weighing on your heart, uh, struggles with family members, health, financial difficulties, we'd love to include you on our prayer list. Go to EWTN.com slash prayer. That's EWTN.com slash prayer. My guest is Father Mitch Pacwa, SJ. We are looking at 
the gospel, well, actually the book of Isaiah, which has been called the gospel of the Old Testament. You point out, Father, that uh, St. Jerome, when he penned his famous line, ignorance of scriptures, ignorance of Christ, uh, he wrote it in his introduction to Isaiah, which he saw as the gospel in Old Testament form. Exactly. Tell me why he exactly. sees, he calls it the gospel. Well, he, this is a very important component of what's going on in Isaiah. Um, Isaiah is filled with prophecies about Jesus Christ. Um, I, this isn't always popular uh, to talk about this aspect of the gospel, right. but it is essential to see the gospel as something that is, um, you know, uh, given to us by our Lord Jesus. And these this didn't happen, you know, just out of the clear blue, but there are very specific prophecies that apply to him uh, found within the book of Isaiah. That's why we see this. And so, one. Uh, I, I, let me just give some examples in terms of the gospel of Christ. Uh, one example is that he uh, definitely speaks about the uh, birth of Christ coming to a virgin. Uh, it's in Isaiah chapter seven, verse fourteen, that he proclaims. A virgin shall conceive and call his name Emmanuel. Um, uh, sound familiar? <laughs> uh, you know, it should. Um, you know, this is uh, the gospel. And then we see that it's Christ who is talked about as um, the one filled with the Holy Spirit who then, uh, you know, uh, has the Spirit of the Lord upon him, and that a shoot from the stump of Jesse shall spring up. Now, what is this referring to? This is referring to the family of David. Jesse was David's father. And in that, uh, Jesse is... Uh, uh, has the shoot, uh, you know, olive trees uh, can be cut down to the stump, and a shoot will come out and will grow so strong that that shoot will become like another tree. Hmm. Well, that's a prophecy about Christ. And here's an interesting thing. The word for shoot is, in Hebrew, uh, is netzer. The town Jesus was raised in was Nazareth. Mm. Nazareth was named after that verse. (laughs) And then you have, you know, uh, among these very poignant uh, prophecies that um, you see uh, the prophecy of the suffering servant, Mm -hmm. that this servant of the Lord will be rejected, and uh, he will be uh, beaten by his stripes, we will be healed, and he bears the sins of us all. 
I, this prophecy is about Christ's role in saving the world. And then you go down a little bit further. It's in Isaiah 53. And just a little bit further, it mentions that he will be buried among the wicked and then will rise again. Hmm. Um, sound familiar? I mean, he yeah. was, the, yeah. the fact that he was crucified between two thieves. The Roman soldiers did not say, hey, look, there's this line in Isaiah. Why don't we put two thieves on either side of Jesus just to make sure we fulfill it? They had never read the old prophet Isaiah or these other Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled. And that brings up a point. I remember there was a cult leader back in the 70s who said Jesus died accidentally. It was a mistake, um, and he was too weak. But I'm the new Messiah because uh, I I don't get killed. Um, that was Sun Myung yeah. Moon, I think, wasn't it? Well, that that's that's he. Yeah. And uh, you know that um, you know misses the point that Christ's suffering and death was predicted. Yes. Five hundred and Seventy years before it happened. Yeah, yeah, that's important, and so we see that this isn't just a haphazard set of events, but God had been preparing through Proto Isaiah and Deutero Isaiah. You also see in Isaiah twenty-five the first mention of uh, the clear first clear mention of the resurrection of the dead in general at the end of the, uh, of the world. Um, these are very important things. A number of, uh, remember when the, the father, we just had the reading of, uh, of uh, Jesus' baptism a few weeks ago, uh, at the week after um, uh, the, bap- the uh, epiphany, and the father is quoting, this is my uh, son, my beloved, he's quoting Isaiah 42. Hmm. And then uh, this past weekend when we had the transfiguration, the father's quoting that same passage from Isaiah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, these, uh, and then even with the um, uh, designation of Peter as the rock, there is, and it, uh, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Right. That makes better sense when you know that the prime minister of Judea had a key laid on his shoulder as a symbol of his being the prime minister. He had the key to the palace. So that that passage is pointing to Jesus as the king, to be sure. But he is appointing St. Peter as uh, a prime minister type of character. Right. Uh, and, you know, and it makes better sense to understand the role of the keys from Isaiah 22. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, it's, it is remarkable uh, how often Isaiah uh, shows up in the New Testament. I think you mentioned it's something like 68 times or so. Yeah. Uh, so that's quite a bit. It's just tremendous. Yeah. And the only reason you have a little bit more in the Psalms is, A, they also predict, I mean, Psalm 22 right. is quoted by Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And people say, oh, did Jesus become an atheist? No. <laughs> Read the rest of the Psalm. Right. And you see that it says 
They have uh, pierced my hands and feet. They have numbered all my bones. That happened in the scourging. And they have cast lots for my clothing and divided my garments among them. Well, uh, that happened. Again, the Roman soldiers didn't say, oh, look, Psalm 22, let's make that happen. No, they were just doing what they did, but they fulfilled that prophetic psalm. And there are many, many other psalms, especially Psalm 110. That is quoted more often than any psalm or any chapter of the Bible. And, you know, so because the book of Psalms is slightly larger than Isaiah, it gets more quotes. But, you know, you you see how important this is. So during uh, Lent, and especially during Advent, we read a lot from Isaiah. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to have people take a look at Isaiah in its historical context, uh, for me, a very important part of biblical interpretation is first try to understand it in its historical context. These are not modern people. These are ancient people. But we can understand something of their point of view by looking at those kind of words, the vocabulary, the styles of speech, forms of speech, all these things. We can understand the passage better. And then, uh, as we understand that, we can then find that we share a common humanity. Even though their culture is from a long time ago, that does not isolate them from us. A lot of uh, modern Americans are being taught that if it's something old, then it has nothing to say to us anymore. That's very foolish. The only way you can get perspective on your own time is to look to the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you read old books, you get perspective on the present moment. We take our culture for granted by looking at ancient books. We see, well, they, they, they're humans like we are, They and they really share a number of the same qualities, but they did have a different culture. And what can I see in the way... They sinned, and they were virtuous. Where were they heroic? Where were they cowardly? Where were they selfish? Where were they generous? You know, I can recognize these human qualities, but I also get perspective on my own times so that I don't just take, oh, this is the way life is. Not necessarily. Right. Right. And we may learn some very positive things from the past, especially when these are in, inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak the Word of God. And I think that's key. I think it's, it's the, the biblical story uh, from Genesis to Revelation is remarkable. There's a coherence yeah. to it. Uh, that's just stunning, and Isaiah plays a big part, a big role yep. in in maintaining that continuity between the covenants, between the testaments. Uh, and I, I think, again, uh, Saint Jerome when he says, 
ignorance of scripture is ignorant of, ignorance of Christ. Uh, he's showing the the close relationship between the Word made flesh and the Word made scripture. Uh, right. You know, you you want to uh, if you want to grow draw close to Christ, there are ways to do it. We know, of course, supremely in the sacrament of the Eucharist. But uh, you also draw close to Christ in yeah. embedding yourself in the Scriptures, and um, Isaiah is a is a great prophet uh, to read. Now, people, it's a big book, so do people just pick it up and read it through? What do you suggest? Well, see, because I organized it, um, you know, uh, chronologically, I put the different prophecies in order of them being given and help people to see this is a sequence and a story you can read it that way but a lot of times you're taking a look at uh, the prophet Isaiah passage in scripture so look that up and then see it in this context you can do it either way Father once again always good talking with you thanks so much my pleasure it's great to be with you Father Mitch Pacwa commentary on the book of Isaiah. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Estate planning gives our loved ones peace and time to mourn. At MyCatholicWill.com, a legal will is as simple as 15 minutes filling out information about your family. The standard cost is $79.95. However, thanks to our partnership with MyCatholicWill.com, when you use the promo code AVE, A-V-E, your will is absolutely free. No hidden cost whatsoever. Visit MyCatholicWill.com Food for the Journey, Sister Ann Shield. You know, we would avoid a lot of difficult arguments just spouting off at the mouth, as we sometimes say. Just ask the Lord, give me the words to say. Maybe I'm rightfully angry, but if I just shout and yell and scream, what good is that going to be? Brothers and sisters, God can give us much more control over our anger, over our fear, over our language. And so whenever you're in a tight spot, just stop for a moment and say, Lord, what would you have me do here? God is good. I don't mean he's going to say words that will come down from heaven. But if you pause just for a moment, you'll get hold of yourself and you may well get a thought that you didn't have before. And sometimes it's just quiet, but it's enough to bring down the steam. And then you think what is really right to say here. You might be justifiably angry. How do we respect the other person while we're correcting them? Please, brothers and sisters, let us open our hearts to God in those moments. Sister Ann Shields gives you food for the journey weekday mornings at 645 and again at 1130 on 990 Ave Maria Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. 
Thank you for being with me. Father Mitch's book is available in the online bookstore there. And we also have the articles that I mentioned in the first hour uh, in the Crested Guest Archives, reminding those in uh, Southeast Michigan, Northern Ohio, this Saturday is the Familiaris Consortio Conference, our annual conference. This year the topic is Male and Female, He Created Them. Responding to, responding to gender dysphoria in truth and charity. We have uh, Dr. Uh, Attorney John Bursch to talk about the attitude of the church towards gender ideology. We have Dr. Paul Cruz examining the scientific evidence. And Father Sean Kilcawley will take us uh, in the pastoral uh, direction. I'll be uh, hosting a panel, and there'll be lots of time for questions. So again, go to fgrhs.org slash events. That's afternoon is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio, and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. To follow up on any of the guests or information presented on today's program, visit the Cresta Guest Archive at AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-M-A-R-I-A, radio.net. To listen to this or any other edition of Cresta in the Afternoon, visit the audio archives at AveMariaRadio.net. Or to order a CD of the program, call 734-930-4506 or email orders at AveMariaRadio.net. That's 734-930-4506 or orders at AveMariaRadio.net.